0: Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your scriptures. We thank you that we hear your voice. We pray that you would speak to us tonight. That you would show us the glory of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever listened in to someone else's conversation? Perhaps you lift a phone to dial someone and someone else in the house is already on another line and you hear what they're saying. Maybe you're travelling on the bus and you can't help but hear what the people behind you are talking about. Maybe you're sitting in the doctor's waiting room and it's not that big a place and you can hear what someone else is chatting about. Maybe you're just walking around the shops or walking up the street and you catch a glimpse of someone else's conversation. What would it normally be called if you shared what you heard what would be the word that would be used gossip to tell someone what you heard someone else say and it's nothing to do with you, you weren't part of the conversation of course it could even be worse than gossip I wonder do you remember the Scandal of the journalists who were hacking into people's mobile phones and accessing their voicemail messages so that they could listen in to what one celebrity was ringing and telling another celebrity. It was so widespread and, and so serious that actually some people went to prison for hacking in to listen to other people's conversation. The basis of Psalm 110, which we have on our service sheet, is the report of a conversation between two people. But this isn't private. We get an insight into heaven's secret counsel as the Lord says to my Lord. But this isn't something private that no one should hear. Rather this is recorded and written down in the Bible so that everyone can hear what has been said. Because it tells us something very important about who Jesus is. It tells us something that gives us hope about the future. In the Uh, tiny little capital letters uh, at the very head of the psalm, we see that it's written uh, by David. David the king is uh, writing what he, uh, by the spirit revealing to him, has heard. Verse 1, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your foot still. So who is it that's speaking? Who is it that David has heard uh, speaking uh, this message? It's the Lord. The capital letters Lord. Now any time in the Old Testament we see uh, the word Lord in capital letters, that's um, what used to be uh, referred to as Jehovah or is now sometimes referred to as Yahweh Uh, it's the holy covenant name of God (coughs) first revealed in Exodus chapter 3 to Moses the promise making, promise keeping God so the Lord is speaking and the Lord is speaking to my Lord. Now who is this? Through this week uh, we were at uh, General Synod, Lindsay and me. Uh, I said I would take her away to a hotel for a few days for a nice time. And Well, sadly it was General Synod, but it was a nice hotel Uh for the times that we were in it. But uh, during General Synod, whenever someone would stand up uh, at the podium to make a speech or to uh, have a good argument, um, they always had to address uh, the Archbishop of Armagh or whoever the bishop was that was chairing that particular session. And um, people referred to them in different ways. Some people would say, your Grace." Um, when speaking to the Archbishop seemingly that's how you do it I've never spoken to him so I haven't had to worry about that so far Um, but some people would actually get up and say my Lord to the Bishop of Meath or the Bishop of Cork or whoever it might be but who is God speaking to who is this my Lord well it's someone who is a king Someone who is given the place of honour. Who is given that place of power at God's right hand. Someone whom uh, David regards as my Lord, as, as his Lord. Someone who is even greater than David. Now if you think through the whole of the Old Testament, you know that that David is really the the best king there is. It all goes downhill after David. And even while they're waiting for this promise of uh, David's son, this king who would reign forever, each new king comes along and, well, another disappointment. Maybe a bit like and Prime Ministers and and how we feel about them. A new one comes along every few years and they promise the moon, the sun and the stars and, well, they're quickly dumped out of office again in a few years' time. And that's the question that rings throughout the Old Testament. Who is this, my Lord? Who is this who is uh, seated at the right hand of God? It was the problem that the Pharisees faced in Matthew 22. This comes, uh, Matthew 22 comes at the end of Holy Week. You might remember that uh, Jesus enters Jerusalem and um, there's lots of arguments and lots of debates and the Pharisees are asking lots of questions, trying to provoke an argument, trying to um, show that Jesus uh, is just a big phony And they ask him loads of questions, but in Matthew 22, Jesus asks them a question. A question that silences them. He asks, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they know that one, it's an easy one. Everyone in Jerusalem that day knew that one. The Christ is the son of David. He's the promised coming king. But the next question is the one that causes difficulties. How is it then that David in the Spirit calls him Lord? Saying, and then he quotes Psalm 110, verse 1 If David calls him Lord, how is he his son? You see, in, in that day, and, and as opposed to a certain extent our day as well, that there was a culture of respect for elders. That the son was always to honour and respect his father. That there was that uh, importance based on uh, proper respect. That the son couldn't uh, rise uh, higher. Than the father. But that the son was always to be in that uh, position of, uh, of uh, in, inferiority. So how could David call his son my Lord? How does that work? The answer comes in Acts chapter 2. Peter is speaking to the crowd that's again gathered in Jerusalem on Pentecost. And he says that David's son is greater than David. You see, he tells the crowd that David the king died and he stayed dead and his tomb is in town. You know the way if you go to um, I'm going to get this wrong. Is it Memphis? You can visit the, the grave of um, Elvis, and you can have a, a tour of um, the whole mansion, and you can see where uh, Elvis is buried. And yet, some people don't believe that. They say, "No, no, no, Elvis lives." Remember the Kit Kat ad from a few years ago? I'm, you know, I'm not dead. I'm just taking a break. I'm having a break. Well, Peter says, you know, we could take you on a guided tour and show you David's tomb. But the Christ might have died, but he didn't stay dead. His tomb, yes, it's here, but his tomb is empty. And God raised him up to heaven in what we call the ascension you see the the first Christians they read the Old Testament and they see in Psalm 110 this Old Testament promise of what would happen to Jesus that Jesus would be risen ascended and glorified that Jesus left this earthly sphere and has ascended back to the Father that he is now seated in that place of power that place of honour, that place of rule and he's waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool wonder do you have a footstool do you have something, uh, maybe? Do um, some people call them poofies or whatever it is? You know, and you can sit back in your chair and you can put your feet up. and And what does that show? It shows that you're completely relaxed, that you have no intention of going anywhere, that you're resting. It was also how the um, Old Testament kings showed that they were. Um, triumphant over their enemies. You see, the king of the enemy would be brought in and he would be made to kneel down in front of the king and, uh, and the king would, you know, set his feet up on his back or on his neck to show that he was subservient. That Jesus was, that, that sorry, that, that the king uh, was all-powerful. That the king was victorious. And this is what is written of Jesus. This is what the apostles say uh, was all about Jesus. And in order to make this happen, David says, verse 2, The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments from the womb of the morning. The dew of your youth will be yours. You see this promise has been made. This promise uh, is now being fulfilled. As people offer themselves freely to the Lord. As his kingdom grows, as More and more are being added. To the kingdom daily. Now as if that that wasn't enough. David reports a second conversation. A second promise. Because God speaks again. Look at verse 4. The promise making God. Makes another promise. The Lord, capital letters, has sworn and will not change his mind. I wonder do you remember, or maybe you've seen children do the same? You know, um, cross my heart and hope to die. This is, you know, I really, 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 really mean this promise. You know, I really, really, really will tidy my room and then they never bother doing it. At least I didn't ever bother doing it. You know, I really, really mean this one. Well, this is the promise making God who makes a promise, who swears it to make absolutely sure. He will not change his mind. And he says again to my lords. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. There's a law coming, uh, being passed by Stormont, uh, which means that um, politicians won't be allowed to double job anymore. Someone who's elected to Uh, Stormont and also elected to um, Westminster uh, have to give up one or the other. You can't have two jobs and be paid twice. So our new MP uh, Tom Elliott will have to give one up soon. But here it looks as if there's a bit of double jobbing going on. You see the king uh, my lord is also A priest. But who is this Melchizedek? What is it about Melchizedek's priesthood uh, that shows us what uh, this king's priesthood is like? Melchizedek is only mentioned in two other places in the Bible. We find him in Hebrews chapter 7, but we also find him in Genesis 14. I wonder if you remember when we were going through Genesis in the mornings. Um, Abraham uh, went out to fight against uh, Cedar Lormer uh, with the different kings and all that. And whenever Abraham had defeated his enemies, then Melchizedek, the priest of Salem, the priest of righteousness, comes out to meet him and brings bread and wine. And Melchizedek is special because he is without uh, father or mother. He has no beginning of life or end of days. Um, He demonstrates the power of an indestructible life. You see, everyone else in the Bible uh, has a genealogy. We know where they come from and where they go to. They're born of parents and they die. But Melchizedek doesn't have any of that. And so the writer to the Hebrews says that. But Jesus is like this. That he has this indestructible life. That he uh, is a priest forever. That he ever lives to make intercession for us. lord jesus has heard these two promises as david listened in to the uh, conversation in heaven he hears the lord say to his lord sit at my right hand until i make your enemies your footstool reign as king and also you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek this Thursday is the ascension this Thursday will be uh, 40 days after Easter day where does the time go and it was on that very day that Jesus was uh, lifted into heaven That he ascended into heaven where he rules as king and serves as priest, interceding for us. God had promised in advance. God's sure promise is uh, kept And Jesus is alive and reigns and serves for you and for me at the right hand of the Father until he brings us to be with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you that your Son is the risen, ascended, and glorified Lord. We praise you that Jesus is the King, and that he is the priest who serves. We pray that you would hear our prayer. That we would live under his rule and offer ourselves freely on the day of his power. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.